Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. We're going to start off with, I'm going to make a decree, you're going to decree after me. As an act of my will, all darkness that's try to come between the layers of my soul, get out in Jesus' name. And in your place, I speak light, I speak life, and I speak the love of God. My mind is alert. My heart is open. Jesus, to receive your word. Jesus, your living seed will fall on good soil and produce an eternal harvest. Praise God. All right, you may sit down. So I'm really, really excited to share this morning. I mean, I do speak in other places, but there's nothing like home. There really is nothing like home. And um, today's message is, for those of you who know me, I'm more pepper and upbeat and want to make fun. But today's message is, in areas, not a fun, feel-good message. It's a grow-up message. Grow-up body of Christ. And I'm, I'm pointing to me, this is not grow-up body of Christ. But um, do you know that God is so committed to your growth? that he will bring opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to grow you up. And he is so patient. You get to take some tests over and over and over. And you know what? He's not angry with you. He doesn't hold unforgiveness against you. In fact, while we were worshiping, God spoke this to me. He said, tell my people, and this goes against, almost against the word, but not. He says, tell my people to give me the benefit of the doubt. Where do they doubt me? Ask them to give me the benefit of the doubt. So God is so committed to your growth that you go around these tests over and over and over again. And even my kids are used to me saying, an 11-day journey took 40 years. You know, in the, in the wilderness with the Israelites, we get to choose how quickly we grow. Not God. God is invested in our growth. But you can be a 70-year-old spiritual infant that still has your diapers on. Or you can be a 20-year-old, sound, mature son of God. And that's not up to God. There is so much grace for development because even some people are placed in different families and some people placed in other families and you're like, but that's not fair. Because that person's mature in those areas because they were placed in that family. But grace, the grace that enables us to grow, is custom designed. If you need more grace, if you are raised in a family, let's say, that really struggles with deception, the grace that is given to you to be able to overcome a spirit of deception will be paramount for you. But if I'm raised in a family that struggles with, and I'm saying something that we don't, uh, no. <laughs> we struggle with so much. No. <laughs> okay, if you are raised in a family with, or you with um, lying, well, that's deception, uh, anger, ir- impatience and anger and frustration, then the grace that will be custom made for you will be in that DNA. It is whatever your need is to grow and overcome, you will be given that specific grace to overcome. You know where that leaves us? With no excuses. Doesn't matter if you're black or white, pink, green, purple, long hair, short hair, the ones who do, the ones who don't. You have no excuses because grace enables us to grow. Um, true story. I, as a child, loved to bite. 
I just loved it. I mean, I bit everything that moved and didn't move. Look, my mother and my brother absolutely testifying on my... On the account of two or three witnesses, let it be established. Well, there's two witnesses over there, and the third witness is my mother's dining room table that she gave away about two years ago. It still had my bite marks all down the side of it. I can remember, and these are some, like, you wonder how your mind just remembers some things, but I can remember my grandmother, who had the personality of Cindy. I mean, we all just, as soon as I say that, you all just understand who my grandmother was, this sweet, patient, beautiful woman. And she was in the kitchen, and she was washing dishes. And I was about butt height. And there she was, washing her dishes, probably singing or something. And I just walked up to her and sunk my teeth into her bum. And my grandmother turned around and gave me a good old wallop. I remember that. I remember my cousin, I sat on my cousin's lap, it was Liesl, we were in Honeydew, sat on my cousin's lap one day, and I can't remember what, but I bit her over here, and she slapped me off her lap, and then my mother was telling me, because I was sure we were talking about this yesterday, she said, you know what, the one time I even asked you in ex- such, oh, oh, she said in exasperation, why do you do this, and my response, because it's nice. I mean, what kind of, I mean, how much deliverance do you think I needed, <laughs> right? And imagine, and, and the, the, one of the best stories is going to, you know, when moms have friends and the kids are the same age and you go to each other's house and you have a play date, how many of you understand that my mom didn't have many friends because of, no, no. But the one day my, my mom's friend's child came out crying and I came out crying. And my mom said to me, what's wrong? And I said, she bit me back. <laughs> so how many of you know, as a kid, okay, it's not even cute as a kid, but imagine if I was still like that today. Let's just say I'm an usher. As you walk up the stairs good to meet you. You know, I mean, it's like, point is, it is good to grow out of childish ways. It is okay, and sometimes not even okay for a kid to do it, but as we grow older, and as we are more seasoned in the Lord, it is not good to hold on to childish ways. Luke 2:52 And Jesus increased in wisdom in stature so in frame in physical frame and in favor with God and with people All right Um people who say oh I love Jesus but I hate people Can't do that That's not you know oh I I trust God, but I don't trust Christians. No, you, you don't trust God. Um, there's a difference about trusting somebody and entrusting yourself over to them for your self-worth and your need. Jesus said he saw it was in their hearts, therefore he didn't entrust himself to them. He didn't get his self-worth and need from people, but he still allowed people into his life. All right. So I said this, growth is tied to your ability to allowing other people to see both God and others. Because you can go through life and God starts to speak and God starts to shine light on. And you can keep on your day and you can get really busy. Do you know that busyness, not productivity, I call busyness, is one of the greatest signs of not wanting to deal Because as soon as you come to that place of rest and you allow God to deal, then it's, it's in that place of rest that you can surrender. All right? All right, so there are different... There are, we, are, we are multi-part beings. We're not just a body and we're not just a spirit. We're a soul. 
So there is a spiritual growth. So what I'm talking about here, when I talk about growth, I'm talking about all these things. So one is spiritual growth, which is what we know here we're in church. Emotional growth. Do you know that you can be very emotionally immature and still have the most profound revelations? God can show you amazing. He can open up the revelations of heaven to you, and you can still not be emotionally mature. There's social growth social skills, are you able to connect with different people? And this is something that I'm really, really passionate about. Are you able to, doesn't matter what culture they're from, how old they are, doesn't matter socioeconomic status, it doesn't change who you are in terms of your value, but that you are able to entreat them and that you are connectable. Unfortunately, in today's culture, parents do not teach children how to do the most basic social etiquette things. I'm talking about things like a handshake. We need to teach our kids how to shake hands. Everybody, stand up. All right. You're going to have some people around you because you're going to interact with different people. Today, we're going to learn the basic handshake. All right. A handshake is firm. I'm going to put this down. Actually, a handshake is firm. No floppy fish. If you have a floppy fish handshake, you've not been taught a proper handshake. All right. It is firm. Now, the other thing is you don't intentionally crush the person in front of you's hand. That is also a no-go. It is firm, it is strong, it is intentional. And typically, a proper handshake is you lean with your foot into the handshake, you put your foot out, you put your hand out, you look the other person in your eye. You look the person in your eye and you say, good to meet you. So as long as your hand is engaged, you're looking at them in the eye. Basic social etiquette, looking at somebody in the eye when you talk to them. Basic. All right, so go around. I want you to do it at least with three people. Shake their hand. And if they're giving you a fish hand, let them know. Put your foot. No fish hand. Good, good, good. That's a good handshake. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. There's no excuse to not grow in social skills. It doesn't matter what family you raised in, how much neglect you came up under and what your parents did not teach you. Today, we have the internet. I'm serious, you can go onto YouTube, you can go onto TED Talks, how to give a basic handshake, how to, um, even the, how to stand and look confident. You know, there's a way, there's a, I, let's talk real here, guys, this is family, right? Are you an awesome, fearfully made child of God? It is shoulders out, head up, confident. You have the, the, the king of the universe living inside of you. When you come into other people's um, atmosphere, do they experience... There's a, not, a, not an arrogance, but there's a confidence and there's a, there's a meekness, a kindness. It's like, do people get that around you? If, if they don't, if you're like, you know, I don't think I am that. God, help me to grow. This is the thing is that as we're growing, one, God is not condemning you. God is wanting 
to grow you. All right. Um, the other thing is, and I, I say this because there might be people in your life. There are people who've grown up under such neglect that they have not had mothers and fathers to tell them, you need to take a shower. You smell. And they don't understand that doors are getting closed for them because of the way they present themselves. If we love people and we're in relationship with people, don't just go around people, you smell. If you are in relationship and you have loving kindness and connection with people that you have brought into your, your family-like aura, we need to be able to say, hey, hon, have you showered lately? You need to shower. This is my mama side coming out. Trust me, my kids. Ah, I don't want to shower. Seriously, who does that? And oh, oh gosh, I remember loving to take a bath, didn't I? We have this fight in my house. I don't want to go first. It's like so. I have this number game. Okay, I've got a number in my head from zero to twenty. Whoever gets closest gets to go first. And we do that almost every night. It's like, man, just go low, take a shower. All right. Um, economic growth. Healthy things grow. If you're still having the same financial issues that you had 10 years ago, something's very wrong. And there are ways that you can grow financially. All right, where there's light and life, truth and love, things grow. All right, Colossians 4.12. Ephraphus, who is one of yourselves, a servant of Jesus Christ, sends his greetings. He is always striving for you earnestly in his prayers, pleading that you may, as persons of ripe character and clear convictions, Stand firm and mature in spiritual growth. Fully convinced and fully assured in everything willed by God. Are you fully convinced and fully assured of everything willed by God? If you're not, we can grow. This, this man was praying for his disciples, for friends that he knew, for brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, it just reminds me of if we have people around us that we can see stuff they need to grow in. Prayer is a very, very powerful avenue. And unfortunately, sometimes we resort to that last. You see the blind sides. You see the things. Oh, I just get so frustrated. Have you prayed for them? People actually get developed in prayer. Spouses, how many times? Sorry, Greg. <laughs> joking. But spouses, how many times your, he can say the same about me, your spouses is just something they're doing over and over and over again, and it is not God. But you spend time before the Lord, and you sow seeds in prayer. It is amazing the amount of growth and change. There's times Greg will come to me, and he'll say, you know, I just heard this most amazing message, and it was about blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. It's an answer to prayer. And then in other areas, it's me too. So it's not just him. All right. So in Ephesians 4, 6, it says, From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Your lack of growth will affect me. My lack of growth will affect you. Because in the body, when we are before God, God, grow me. Whatever you need to do, do in me, Father. It's like, imagine if all of us were like that in every area. Now, there is no condemnation. God is patient. God sees the many different layers and levels. And you know what? God doesn't deal with all the things at once. He's so 
again, that, that custom, um, custom connection. He is so intricately leaning towards us and kindly, hey, hon, let's, let's deal with this. This attitude here, this, this thing that you do here, it's not producing good. If you keep on doing that, it's going to produce a harvest of death. All right? But the way that you also grow will affect how we are as a body. All right, so there is winter growth, and then there is spring growth. And in winter, when you don't see what is under the soil, it's the root. It's the things that are unseen. It's the, um, the things that nobody else sees. It's your time alone. It's you're going back to school. That, was some, that, that one thing, people going back to school, was something that God spoke over and over and over again to me last night. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. There's something about when you are going, God, you need me developed in some area. You've called me to do this. Well, in order for me to do this, I need to go back to school. Or I need to do this. I need to apply myself there. It's like, do it. And God also has the most amazing way creatively providing for finances. Even with school, there are ways, um, adult education classes, things that cost minimal, that the state, there's grants that the state provides. There's ways to, if God tells you to do something, he's going to provide for you to do it. You have no excuse. So in winter, it's costly. You know, it sounds very funny, but I'm an extrovert on steroids. So for me, my winter season looks like God tells me I can't hang out with my friends. And he says, I want you to, I want you to spend time with me. Say no. Say no. Say no. That's, that's, that's part of winter. Um, <clears throat> unseen generosity. Nobody else sees what you give. And sometimes you don't have anything, and still you give. That's winter. In, when the root grows down, and the soil is compact, and there's a lot of pressure, and things are pressing at you, and all you know to do is stand. It's not easy. It's not when there's accolades and people can see, rah, 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 you're doing great. All right. Um... Psalm 118.27, the Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords of mercy to the horns of the altar. I don't know what. All right. How many times when you're in that terrible winter season, necessary but awful, you're in the winter season, your root is going down, and the process becomes so painful at times that you want to jump off that altar. The fire is coming up. God is refining. He's taking away some attitudes, dealing with some fears. And you want to run. And, and in, this, in moments like that, especially if you try and short-circuit the process, you'll have to go around again. I've done it. And I've cost, it was such a, a terrible, terrible cost. I, I'm not even going to go into it. But um, I remember sitting at the, my kitchen window and thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I just get rid of this, it'll be so easy, blah, 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 blah. And that one decision of, no, I'm going to do this, it just feels better just to get rid of this. And it cost me four years of hell because I did not go through the process of the Lord. Stay with cords of mercy. In those moments now when I, when, I, when I can see that cyclical thing coming around again, I'm like, Father, bind me, keep me on this altar with cords of mercy until this thing is dealt with. But don't let me up. When the heat turns up and you're like feeling a little singed. I've been there. All right. Um, 
So spring growth. It's when what you've sown in the winter comes to fruition. And that can be an amazing thing. That can be a terrible thing. If you've sown seeds of destruction in the flesh in the winter, springtime is coming. And it says, you know, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he reaps. So true story. Um, uh, so one of the things I do is I, I'm a coach. I'm a life coach. And this one lady came to me on her own volition. I definitely don't make these people come to me. But she sat down and she said, folded her little arms and legs and said, I'm having an affair and I have no intention of telling anyone. And I knew that she was a leader in her church. This is in another state, so don't start looking around. It was literally in another state. She said, I'm having an affair and I have no intention of telling anyone. And I, I mean, first of all, I was like, <laughs> you're like, Dear Jesus, dear God, this is the first one for the day. Could you not have given me some? Just a little bit easier for this day. That would have been nice. But <clears throat> um, so I just looked at her and I said, okay. So I said, so what do you think the fruits of your harvest are going to be? And she was like, huh? I said, you're sowing seed. You're going to reap a harvest. What do you think? And I said, and even if you don't tell your wife, you're going to reap a harvest. It says that the arm of the flesh, when you sow to the arm of the flesh, produces death. The arm of the spirit produces life. The arm of the flesh produces death. And I'm like, something dies. And um, she was like, well, now you've scared me. And I said, um, it's just something good for you to think about. You know, because as a coach, I don't have to make anyone do anything. I'm just, I speak wisdom. If you want to follow me, great. If you don't, don't. She, Growth is up to you. Unfortunately, she didn't do anything about it. And after she'd explained, her husband was faithful, a great man. He was just not as spicy as her new lover. Which is very, very sad. Um, so, in springtime is usually when the opportunities start coming your way. It's when you have went to school and I was just say this, like my husband, this is a few years back, but he um, went to school and got this one certification for IT. And do you know that he failed seven times before he did it? And it is, once he did it, he came back, we found out he failed. He was like, we're going to do it again. He went back. It was, it was two certifications. He failed seven times. But it was like, we're going to do it again. We're gonna, and every time it was like, we're going to do it again. We are not giving up. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. And it's a CCIE. I don't know if you guys, techie guys know, but it is a high, high-level cert. And that day that he came home and he passed, oh, my gosh, it was phenomenal. And the doors that opened for him in positions and, and stuff was astounding. Why? Because in winter, when it didn't feel good and we failed, and trust me, it was we, because I didn't see him. I had three young children. He was studying literally day and night. He would come home from work, have dinner, go into the study and study. Wake up early, early morning, study, study, study. It, it, I mean, it was just crazy. I, I didn't see him. So I know what it's like as a family when you reorientate yourself towards a goal that the whole family is committed to. It's a very, very powerful thing. Um, <clears throat> all right, so what are some of the things that make us grow? Food. How many of you have had a little bit of too much growth over the holiday season? Food makes you grow. All right, so my husband and I were chatting this morning, and he, he was talking about 
because the word of God is our food, right? Now, it is very sad to me when I speak to believers how little people spend in the word. And for Greg and I to try and get our kids to spend time in the word, it's like cutting off. It's like I'm cutting off his toe or something. You know, it's, and it's like we know this is healthy. We're trying to be creative in doing it. It's like even though it doesn't feel good, it's something we need to do, right? Because when you get in it, then it starts to feel good. And here's the deal. In the natural, if you don't eat, you get hungry. But in the spirit, if you don't eat, you lose your hunger. You want to stir up your spiritual hunger again? You want to grow in spiritual hunger? Start reading your Bible. Start prioritizing time with him. So Greg was saying this morning, he's saying when we spend time in the word, it, it, it's like taste and see that the Lord is good, right? And that it's like going to a restaurant and thinking about this, this, this type of what, think about right now. What is something, every single one of you, what is something that you would really want right now? And now this afternoon, you drive that restaurant, you sit down, you order it, and there it comes exactly as you imagined it. And you taste it, and you're like, you know, the angels are singing, whatever. It's like, Whoa! And it's, it's, that is how our experience with the Word should be. It is a living encounter. You know, we had a run here, and um, I love listening to people who are so activated in the spirit that know the word. He will pull scriptures from inside, outside, backside, frontside, and he will put them together, and you're like, it is powerful. The word is not a dead letter. It is a living encounter to feast on. It grows you. If you're not in it, you're not going to want to be in it. Get in the Word. So, praying in tongues. There's a guy, and I researched on him because somebody asked me the other day, can you give me the example of that and you know, tell me exactly where it was? So I did. I went to go research. His name is Dr. Carl Peterson, and he's, an, he's a medical doctor. And... Um, he did this whole study at R. Roberts University. That there's literally, and um, it was there's a place in the brain they didn't know what it was for, because it was not activated by anything they could see until the person spoke in tongues. That little thing went and started whizzing around there. And do you know that that was directly related to secreting two hormones that increased the body's immune system by 35 to 40 percent? Pray in tongues that you may edify your inner man. So here I am in the shower while I'm driving. I'm getting, I'm getting my immune system up and running. And it says, if you pray in tongues, if you sing in the spirit. Pray in tongues. And if, by the way, if you haven't got your prayer language and you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come off to us and I'll do that. Holy Spirit will do that through me. All right. So, um, pray in tongues and what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. I remember, um, so I was not raised in a believing home. And I had a terrible, 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 and my mother can attest to this. She tried to beat it out of me, but to no avail. I had a terrible spirit of deception on me. I lied like it was nothing. I didn't have any conscience about it. I lied. I deceived. It was really, really. If, if you don't think that change is possible, thank you. Just look at me. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I remember I came to university, and I was in my dorm room, and I had a great big group of friends, but I lied so much about so many different things that finally one day, my friend said, that's enough. I won't be friends with you anymore. And do you know that every single one of my friends decided that day together, in unity, that they were not going to be my friend. I would come home from school, because I, I, and I would go to my dorms, 
and literally it's one of those mean girl type scenarios where I'd walk in and anyone who saw me would just turn and walk the other way. I would sit alone at a table and eat. I, I mean, it was, it was so devastating. It was so painful to my heart. If any of you know me, my friends are very, very, very valuable to me. So it was very, very, very painful. The only thing that would take away that pain, the only thing when I didn't feel the pain was when I was lying on my bed reading the word. It was like I discovered that if I, if I, if I just lay there and if I just read the word, as soon as I started to read the word, the pain of my heart went away. And so I did that day in, day out, day in, day out. Whenever I wasn't at school, I was on my bed reading my Bible. And soon enough, God actually, it was an amazing, God changed my dormitory, and I started living in the one next door with the people that I went to church with. And I, it was just God's divine, amazing, painful slicing off of my old world, because those are all the people that I used to party with. And here I started meeting friends and really um, having to deal with my, because even though that painful thing had happened, I still had to be delivered. All right. Um, so food lets us grow. Another thing that lets us grow, yeah, got enough time, is the challenge of weakness and private confrontations. All right, so God, when he wants something in you to be developed and shift and change, cut out some, develop others, he talks to you first, right? He comes to you and he talks to you and he goes, this part over here, sweet pea, this is not such a great area here. Or, hey, I've called you this, I need you to do this, right? So first it comes from God. Sometimes we don't, we don't recognize how, we don't know how to hear God's voice. Like we, we, it's a passing thought in our head. So when somebody else says it to us, we're like, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, but we didn't realize that that passing thought was actually God speaking to us. Do you understand that passing thoughts many times are God speaking to you? Think about this. If the enemy can put those other passing thoughts in your head, how does God do it? That's God speaking to you, right? So, where was I? Oh, yeah, so pr challenge of weakness. And, um, so first, God will speak to himself, and usually he does that. He's, again, he is so patient. So he will come, and he'll talk, and he'll talk, and he'll talk. And then if you won't listen to him, then he starts to bring other people. If you are surrounded by safety, by safe community, by people who are good and healthy, then sometimes people will sit you down and say, Hey, friend, this thing that you do here, it has really hurt me. And it's really hurt other people around you. And as, as people who are humble and malleable, we need to be able to listen to things like that. And instead of our first response being, no, nah, I don't agree with that, because people can be so defensive, but remember, you have no excuses. Our first response should be, even in our heads, is, even though I don't necessarily agree with that, I'm going to think, and we can even say to people, you know what, I'm going to need time to process that. So give me some time, if you need time, and let's get back together at some point. I'm not saying it's not true, but I just need to process through some stuff happening here. <clears throat> now, this brings in another very, uh, the toxic side of that. So in 2003... I went off to a grad school. And in that grad school, it was hell. It was hell. It was a ministry grad school. Don't you love those ones? And I was supposed to be, you know, uh, raised up and, and to become a better minister. And all... Um, in that culture, they believed that everybody around you had the right to tell you everything that was wrong with you. So they would, I mean, I had a random guy, you know, like come up to me, you know what your problem is, Nicole? 
you have a lack of social skills. And I'm like, and I was one of, oh, and these are the leaders, all the leaders. These are not your peers, by the way. Your peers, they don't have the right to say anything to you, but which is wrong. Your peers should be able to speak into your hearts. And also these higher perfidy poverty churches that don't allow you to speak into leaders or leaders to speak into you, that's also wrong. I, you know what, there's a lot of people sitting here in this congregation that have spoken, spoken correction to my heart, and I so value and appreciate it. Um, so in this, in this school, um, this t- you know, all the leaders, they felt that their responsibility was to lob your flesh off and make you like Christ. Well, that's the Holy Spirit's job, right? And I remember the final day, so I was there for about eight months, and the final day, this is a true story, people. Right before I'm about to head back to Virginia, the, the head of the school calls me and goes, you know, we're all ha- oh, it was, it was Christmas time, so we were going to go have a Christmas party and have a happy time. And he's like, Nicole, can you just stay behind while the others go off and you can meet up with them later? I'm like, sure. But I'm so used to being dogged by this guy that I, I'm like, oh, my God, what's coming now? And he stood in front of me and he said to me, you know, you have this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. And at that stage, I was just like, I mean, Doug and I had had so many conversations over the phone over the last few months about this that I just couldn't even. So I just looked at him. And, and get this for, he was telling me all the things that was wrong with me. And get this for God's kindness and mercy. Hear the kindness of God in this. At that moment, while he's talking to me about what a bad person I am, right? Guess who calls? Doug. Now, for those of you who don't know, I wear hearing aids. God is going to heal my ears. But in that moment, I don't think I had hearing aids at that time, so I couldn't hear very well. I heard every word Doug said on that phone. And this guy was saying to Doug, you know, she's done this and she's done this and blah, 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 blah. And all I heard was this man's voice saying, he said his name, and then he said, I've never had any issues about those things with Nicole. And then the man said, okay, well, you know, hung up on him. And then he looked at me and he said, if you don't change, I don't want the likes of you representing my ministry. And that was my, that I got coming home. Like, well done, good and faithful servant. If you don't change, you know. So talk about me coming home with my tail between my legs I had to go through so much healing just from going there. So that is not something that we want to. That is a toxic, spiritually abusive culture. But when you have people that are safe, who care for you, who are sound, you know they care for you. Sometimes they might not present it the best way, but they care about your well-being. And they speak into your heart and say, hey, hon, or... As Doug would say, hey, bird. <laughs> hey, sugar. It is this thing that you're doing here. It's not good. We need to work on this. We need to be open to that. Humility is so key. It's amazing that this morning um, we're, we're finishing in five minutes. Can you wait five minutes? All right. This morning my brother got up there and he said, you know, and, and Vivian, when you started singing that last line and you said it's who we are, I had just started singing that. You basically echoed what I was, I was like, <laughs> but, um, and then my brother got up there and it's basically about who we are, how amazing we are. And this is humility. This is the true kingdom concept of humility. Humility is believing what the word says about you. That's the most humble you can be. Humility is not self-deprivation and believing that you're a worm. The religious context of humility, and I'm talking a spirit of religion, is, oh, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace. I want to vomit on people who say that around me. It's like, no, you're a child of God, made in his image, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And um, when you have godly humility, I love what Chris Vallotton said. He said, it's not that you think less of yourself. It's that you think of yourself less. 
when you walk into a room and you truly have God humility on you, you don't have to think about yourself. God tells you to do something, you can be powerful. Or God tells you to go serve and sweep the, sweep the chairs, I mean, sweep the streets, whatever. You can do that. You, because your identity, your core, is so solid in confidence that it doesn't matter what you do. You're who you are. That's true humility. All right. All right, so, and unfortunately, when, when he has spoken to you and it doesn't work, and then other people come and speak to you and it doesn't work, the next thing is that you, life will start handing you consequences. God loves you enough to discipline you. And in fact, when consequences come really quickly, I, I'm like, I know you love me. When, when you are not obeying him and he's asked you to do something or he's putting his finger on something and you're not obeying, you're not telling him and consequences start coming, he loves you. When the pain of not growing and not moving out of your place becomes greater than the pain of actually doing what you're called to do, that's the last step that some people face for growth. They're kicked out the nest. I don't want to be a people who get kicked out the nest, who are fearful of change, who are fearful of what God is calling us into. And so there's resistance, or no, I, I, it's too different, or it's, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, I want to be a people who... When God speaks, I listen. When people come, it's confirmation. And it's yes, God, yes and amen. All right. But some people, unfortunately, in their, it's fear of change, passivity, lack of focus, or laziness to not obey. They finally get kicked out of the nest. And then it's painful. But not as painful as change. All right. So what is the area in your life that you know God has been pressing on. It can be something that he wants to deal with. It can be something that he's moving you towards. It's not necessarily corrective, but it is for your growth. Have you been listening? Do you need to go back to school? Do you need to stop watching? Well, I'm not going to go there. I'm saying, where is the Holy Spirit convicting you? Right. We're going to wait for two minutes. I want you to close your eyes. Open your hearts. And with the heart of God, I want to grow. Show me. Remind me. And what are you dealing with? Not all the ten different areas that I think need to be dealt with. Just that one or two areas that you are bringing towards me. Let your yes be yes. He is so for you. He is not against you. He is so for your growth, your development, 
your success. Thank you that we're a people who want to grow with you. God, we want to give you our yes. We give you our yes, Lord. You're so amazing in pouring out the grace upon us to take even baby steps. You're so amazing in your presentness. God, thank you that you do not condemn us, that you forgive you pour out grace that enables us to grow and move forward. God, thank you that your kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom, and the government on your shoulders knows no end. You are ever-increasing. Thank you that we come into alignment with you, Holy Spirit, and allow you to grow us. Say, I give you permission to grow me in your grace. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to pray for people who want the baptism of the Holy Spirit or people who have, they've, they've been prayed for, but they don't have a flow of their prayer language. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just when you have receive Jesus in your heart. He lives inside of you. He's in there. It's not like Jesus is not in there. But there's something different that marks us when it is an empowerment from inside versus an endowment from the external. And with that endowment comes the activation of your spiritual gifts. So it's the praying, it's prophesying, it's, um, it's words of knowledge, words of wisdom. It's just it's a, when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, he really gives us access to all. So there's a measure that you have access to as somebody who is not baptized. You're going to heaven, all of that. But you won't ever have the fullness of what he has paid for. So I would love to be a conduit of you receiving more fullness in God. So be released. Love you. Go get your kids. Bless you.